Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Believe in Sparks, we welcome in John W. Davis, the L.A. Sparks beat writer with W Insider. We'll discuss the dismissal of GM Penny Toller, the impressions of Derek Fisher's first season as head coach, and we'll look ahead to 2020. That and more right now on Believe in Sparks. You know, it's funny, just before we started this podcast, I had told John that I was going to introduce him maybe as the most beloved by the Sparks players. And he said, nah, you can just save that for later. But <laughs> I saw a piece of video, though, John. You can be modest about it, so I'm going to give you some love on this one. Um, I saw, I think it was one of the uh, Ogumake sisters that gave you a big hug and yes. thanked you. And you were on camera, so it was recorded. It was so beautiful. And she just <laughs> gave you a hug, and she just thanked you so much for all the work that you do. And um, also, as a female, you know, thank you very much for the work that you do uh, for this sport and bringing it to light. And what has been your greatest joy in working with the Sparks? Well, thank you so much for having me on, Stacy. And it's just really been able to cover a professional sports team. To me, it didn't matter that it was women's basketball. What attracted me to it is that it was basketball. And mm-hmm. that was the most important thing, was being able to cover the sport of basketball and I just love the access, love watching practices and the games and talking to them. You know, after the games, I primarily covered home games and pretty much for the whole season, they didn't lose at home. So I always had great times and just a lot of great experience with them. That's wonderful. And and I'm sure you learned a lot about the women's game too. Like these are not a bunch of girls just dribbling around the court. These are some tough women. No, these are hoopers and they can hold their own against anybody. I mean, there's skilled guards, there's skilled wing players, you know, there's physical big players. So there's everything you can think of when you think position by position in basketball. There's somebody on every roster that can fill that role. I love that. And what they do in the community, too. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well, because that's very important to the organization, to the city, um, and, and to the W in general. It's, I love that you said they were undefeated at home. That was true. It was great all the way through um, there, what would have been the second round since they had the first round by for the playoffs. But it wasn't a season that was just handed to them by any means. It was a very challenging season. They were riddled with injury. A couple other things happened along the way. But let's talk about something right off the top. Penny Toller. After 20 years as the general manager of the Los Angeles Sparks, she was fired after a locker room tirade. She used foul language, and she used the N-word. Now, for those who may not know, Penny Toller was a pillar of the WNBA since its inception. She scored the first points in WNBA history. She was named general manager of the team immediately after she retired, and she constructed the Sparks back-to-back championship teams in 2001 and two, and again in 2016. Now, to her credit, John, 
She didn't deny her explosive remarks. She didn't deny her use of the N-word, but she did stress she did not direct any of her words to any individual. She was simply expressing what she was thinking, but it's the words that she chose. You can be fired up. You can get upset, but the words that she chose, specifically the N-word, just cannot be accepted. So what do you think of Penny's firing? What does it demonstrate to fans, players, organizations around the league, and all individuals who are part of that WNBA family? The first thing is I think that it's important to note that it seems like the league and the team are thinking about, or the organization that is, they're thinking about, you know, diversity and inclusion and things like that. And like you said, it's, it's just a different climate now. Being that she's with the, been with the league or had been with the league 23 years, like you said, scored the first basket in WNBA history. And then 23 years later, she's still with the team. I mean, honestly, she probably was the longest tenured person in, on any team without, throughout the whole league. Okay, 23 years the whole time. There's nobody mm-hmm. who's been attached to the league the whole time. But, you know, this is, you know, after a lot of people have started to find their voice and they're able to, you know, speak up and speak out against things, you just can't talk to people like that mm-hmm. in a professional setting. You know, if that's, if that's how you want to talk to somebody in a personal setting, you know, that, that's up to you. But in a professional setting, you just can't do it. Now, after that game, this was a game, game two, where they were basically out-rebounded by like 30 points. Mm. And so I can understand you being, you know, mad or passionate or things like that, but you just can't talk to people like that. There's right. a different way to get that message across. Right. If that's how you want, if that's the message you want to get across, you want to be passionate and you want to show that you care and you want to up or try to uplift them and encourage them, you have to do it a different way. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It's, it's one of those gray areas, I think, in some people's mind. I think it's probably a, a split situation to where some people are like, yo, listen, Penny, as you said, been around the league the entire time. Since this thing was born, she has been part of it. So she has the credibility. She has the experience. She played in this league. She's been a GM for two decades. She should be able to say what she wants and go off. But like you said, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in presentation, you can say things even when you're heated to get your point across, but choosing different words. You know, you can, you can have a little bass in your, in your voice, but it doesn't have to be ugly words attached to it. How do you right. think, how do you think people are, do you think she's never going to be welcomed again in any part of this? Do you think there's any redeemable factor for her because of her history, because of who she is? I think there's maybe some sort of level of redemption for her, but not with the Sparks. I mean, yeah. she's been with the team the whole time. You can't stay somewhere forever. Yeah. And the game is changing. So she's been the one to construct this roster. And if you look at the roster, and we'll talk about that later, there are some some mismatches or some flaws on this roster when you look at the way, say, the Washington Mystics won the championship this year with the best offense in league history and they won 26 games and they had times many times they would close out games with five players on the perimeter Mm. which you and i know Mm -hmm. is very rare for the WNBA, but Mm -hmm. we see that often in the nba Mm -hmm. and that's just how the game is going but if you look at this roster right now they couldn't really do that successfully and say you know we're gonna stick everybody around the perimeter or we're gonna do four out one in they just couldn't really do that even though this team did set a 
a uh, they set a franchise high in three pointers this year. They made 242 three pointers. That's the most they've ever made. Mm. And Derek Fisher really made some strides with them being able to shoot the three. And he encouraged everybody to shoot the three. He encouraged a player like Tierra Ruffin Pratt to shoot the three. And when she was with the Washington Mystics previously, you know, there was a season she didn't shoot a three. Mm-hmm. She didn't make a three the whole season one time. Yep. And so she comes over here and she has a career high one game where she makes six and yeah, she gets a new nickname, Headband T, because she's wearing a headband. And they're like, <laughs> oh, well, this is the Tierra we want all the time. So it's just the team just had to move forward. Now, obviously, you don't want to have to move forward after something like this, but mm-hmm. there was going to be changes, whether it's with a GM or whether it's the way you play or it's the players you have playing the style. There were going to be changes because we saw what happened in the playoffs. If you get swept 3-0, obviously, you want to make some changes. You want to make some improvements. You can't just bring back the same 12 and expect different results just because you want to play harder or try harder. You got right. to make some changes. Right. You're right. You're right. And, and the locker room tirade is a prominent factor of discussion now. But, you know, when you think about general managers in any sport, it's their responsibility and more so their response to situations. It spills into the culture of their organization. And when you think of other things that happened throughout the season, as I mentioned at the top of the show, riddled with injuries, there was a suspension early on with a, a, a major player that some feel wasn't handled in the way that it could have been at the best way it could have handled, been handled, I should say. What are your thoughts or what else comes up for you in terms of how the suspension was handled, other responsibilities and responses to things that, that could have been handled better? Well, not only was she the general manager, she was the president of basketball operations. So that was on Penny. The buck stopped with her on that. She didn't really have anybody else to answer to when it came to Raquana Williams and the LA Sparks. Let's let it be known. The LA Sparks never suspended Raquana Williams. That came from the league. Mm. So it appears like the Sparks were never going to. And when I say the Sparks, we'll just say general manager, Penny Toller. She wasn't going to suspend her. Mm. Whatever the situation was, she was fine with her playing. She resigned her after that happened. And she played and then she was elevated to the starting lineup and they were winning games. And then the league decided that she needed to be suspended for 10 games. Obviously the Sparks accepted it. She missed 10 games in the middle of the season. And that was that. But again, that's just another example of where the buck would stop with her. So if people had issue with that, then they would have issue with the decision-making of Penny Toller, but she's no longer here. And it's a chance for them to find a, a GM that can kind of usher them into what I call not necessarily positionless basketball, but I have a, a better term. I like to call it position fluid basketball yeah, I like because, that. because you're not just, you're not just not playing positions. If you're mm-hmm. tall, you're going to be inside. You mm-hmm. know, if you're shorter, you're going to be on the perimeter. There's going to be those types of positions, but the fact that you want everybody to be able to pretty much do everything, you want everybody to be able to make the right pass. You want everybody to be able to play defense. You know, you want everybody to be able to, in the ideal world, you want everybody to be able to shoot the three, like the Washington Mystics. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a six four and six five post players who would be outside on the perimeter, and Emma Mieseman and Elena Deladon, they'd be out there on the perimeter doing whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to develop your team to play like that. It's kind of like how the, the Warriors kind of reset the NBA. 
Mm-hmm. You're you right. Know, everybody and- is trying to model themselves after that now. So we'll probably see the same with the way the Washington Mystics were able to construct itself. Other teams will probably follow suit. How much have you seen defense change because of that? Because that's tough to defend. I don't care who you are. It that's- is. And that, honestly, that was the Sparks' problem this season. They could not really defend the three. Mm. And and it was it was a philosophy that was kind of brought down by Derek Fisher. Talked to him pretty much every week about this in some sort of manner and fashion. And his idea was, let's defend the post first. Let's defend the paint. Let's keep people off the free throw lines. And then let's run people off the three-point line. Mm. And when they found, you know, when they lost games, you know, people were knocking down threes on them. So that's something they're going to have to incorporate, you know, in there. You know, you can't just guard the paint Mm -hmm. because, you know, three is worth more than two. (laughs) Three is out of quicker than two. Like, like it's kind of simple math, but, and, and there's teams that they didn't necessarily you know, make a lot of threes. Like there was a game where the Connecticut Sun, they shot 33%, but they shot 33s against the Sparks. And so when you're shooting 33s, that's opening up other parts of the the game as well. So it's not necessarily always about just straight up making them, but just taking them and changing the flow of the offense. So they're really going to have to focus on that defensively. But again, I think that can happen with, you know, some, some roster changes and some some more focus on that because you know when you have somebody like Neka Agumake who is a an all-time great defender when it's all said and done she'll probably be one of the most efficient defenders in WNBA history so you kind of got the paint on lock when you got somebody like that on the front line so you know you want to be able to move in and out and and guard those threes you want to always contest the three in my opinion I don't know I, what you think. But. No, I agree. No, I agree. I agree. You got to be able to get out there, get at least get in their vision, something. Yeah. Distract yeah, something. It, yeah. I, I don't claim to know more than, you know, any professional basketball culture player, but I just kind of feel like garden three is important. It is. I mean, if you're trying to shoot a three when we play horse, I'm going to be in your face. <laughs> <laughs> so know that. <laughs> John W. Davis, L.A. Sparks beat writer with W. Insider, joining us here on Believe in Sparks podcast. Now, looking back at the postseason, the Sparks entered with notable momentum, finally at full strength after much of the mm-hmm. season, as we talked about with their injuries. They went 11-4 and after the All-Star break, perfect record at home, which we talked about, but it was the series against the Connecticut Sun that we're still processing. First, it was a sweep. Then it was Derek Fisher choosing and, and being criticized for his decision to bench Candace Parker and limiting the minutes of other, other starters in that game three. What are your takeaways from the overall season, and what did you gather from these players when it came to a close? So this is my first takeaway. So if you're a first-year coach and you win – 22 games and you end up third out of 12 in the standings. That's probably good, right? You take that, right? Mm-hmm, I would. Okay. So you take that, but then, you know, when you get swept in the playoffs, you know, that kind of starts to negate a little bit of that. But I think you first have to look at the regular season and the fact that they had, you know, from all the players and then the 10 game suspension for Raquana Williams, they, their players missed a combined 73 games. 
Okay. Mm. And they didn't have the full 12 until like two, maybe like two weeks before the end of the season. And then they didn't have the full 12 then because Neka Agumake missed a half and then she missed the whole game for load management because she was tired. So they probably had before the playoffs, honestly, they probably had three or four games with the full 12. Mm. So you never really had the lineup that they wanted. Because if you look at this lineup before the season, you probably would say the best five players were Chelsea Gray, Elena Beard, Candace Parker, Neko Agumake, and Shanae Agumake. They never got a chance to start together. Mm-mm. So you never were able to go with your ideal best five. And that was one thing that I thought they never really got a good handle on was deciding who their best five players were. Mm. So, and that's how I feel like the, and I keep talking about them because they're the champions now. I just want to give them their due, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's how the mystics won their championship because at the end of game four, the mystics decided that they wanted to play Ariel powers instead of Ariel Atkins. And they lost that game down the stretch. Then they switched aerials. They went with Ariel Atkins along with Christy Tolliver, Cloud, Misaman, and Deladon, and they won the championship. So at some point, in my opinion, you have to decide who your best five players are. Now, with this team, it was kind of hard to do that because, you know, you have two standouts. You have an all-WNBA first-team player, Chelsea Gray. You have an all-WNBA second-team player, Neka Agumake. You have Candace Parker, who once she was able to get back in the swing of things, she won a couple player of the weeks in the Western Conference. So you have a big three. Those are your three best players. And I think everybody can kind of agree that those are their three best players. But then who is four and five, and how do you get them on the court with them at the same time? I would argue one of the top five players on the team is probably Shanae Gumake, but she was never able to start and play significant minutes alongside her sister and Candice because they never really felt comfortable playing what you would call like a three big lineup. So they never were really able to put their best players out on the court all at the same time. So that was kind of a downfall and hopefully they're able to figure that out. And I don't know if that means, you know, asking Candace Parker to play more wing or asking Neka Agumake to play more wing, but I'm of the opinion that, you know, you have to play your best players and then go from there. Now, maybe that's when the new GM comes in and tries to figure out a couple more players that complement those three. So then your best five players are are a more traditional lineup that flows a little better. But at this time, with the way the roster was constructed this year, I feel like they just were never able to play their five best players. And that was one of the downfalls when it came to the playoffs. And there is grace there, obviously, for the coaching staff because they, it was hard to put, you know, it was hard to even figure out who to put on the floor at the same time because there were so many different injuries at different times. And, and to find, just to simply manage a rotation, I would feel, would keep me up at night as a human, you know, just trying to make sure I had it all figured out and at the right time. And um, I have a lot of respect for, for those choices that are made. Um, what do you anticipate as we look ahead to next season? We talked a little bit about, I know you just touched on some of the flaws in terms of uh, the mismatches and, and things that could have been done better, but who do you see maybe not returning in your opinion or what voids need to be filled? 
Well, I think you can never have too much three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. So I would think that anybody that they would want to add to the team should be a three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. At this point, they have enough post players. I mean, they have five players who, in their right, probably could start on some team in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a rookie, Kalani Brown, 6'7", and, I mean, she's one of the tallest players in the league. Mm -hmm. So... You have a presence like that. You have Maria Vadiva, who is over in Russia right now, playing on a team with Brittany Griner. So she's to that level that she can play with somebody like that. You know, you have, you know, your traditional ones, Shanae Agumake, Neka Agumake, Candace Parker. So those are your front line, your forwards, your centers. You're fine with that. So what I would add is just making sure that anybody else who's on the, the other seven on the roster, those are shooters. And they have to shoot. And when they're open, you got to be willing to take it and make it. So I think the, the leader, though, and I think this kind of leads us to something else we wanted to talk about. I think the leader on that would be Chelsea Gray. So after the series against the Sun, I talked to her and, and I could tell she didn't really want to talk. But, you know, thank you for talking, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And she said that, you know, she wants to get back in the gym and she wants to have a more consistent three point shot and a more consistent jumper. So somebody like that can help lead this. You know, they'll be able to add maybe a free agent or somebody like that. But, you know, there's a question. You know, Elena Beard's been in the league for, oh, I think 15 years or so, 37 going on 38. Will she come back? I'm not sure. But I know that Elena Beard, the way the collective bargaining agreement is set up, she's a max player. You know, is a new GM who doesn't really have the same – you know, affinity that Penny Toller may have had with her is a new GM going to say, I think you're worth a max contract, Elena Beard, and bring her back. I don't know. Mm. So that's that's a person who you may see not be on the team anymore. There's maybe a player like Alexis Jones, not exactly sure, you know, where her standing would be with a new GM, things like that. Raquana Williams, you know, a person they signed on a one-year deal. I don't know if they want to a new GM will want to bring her back with the, you know, the off the court issues that she's had with the legal system. So those are like three players and wing players that, you know, may or may not be on the team. So that would kind of lead the opportunity for, you know, maybe a, a rookie to get in there, a free agent. And then they also have an overseas contract that they can bring over um, a guard that has nice size. Her name is Elena and you know, six foot six one. So, you can never have too much size. So mm -hmm. players like that, I think. And, and then also, I know I haven't I meant to talk about her way before now, but, you know, shout out to your co-host, Sydney Wee, <laughs> yep. because this young lady, she really, in my opinion, she proved herself to be a starter in the WNBA. I love and it. I would not be surprised that come next year that she's in that conversation to straight out the gate be a starter. Because Derek Fisher really found something in her when Candace Parker was out. There was when she first went out, she still wasn't getting playing time. It was like a game or two. But then once he put her in the starting lineup, he didn't really want to take her out. Mm. And honestly, you know, I've talked about this with some of my colleagues. I don't think he should have took her out. I think she should have started over Quan Williams because I just felt like she has she adds a different level of versatility being that she's taller and longer mm -hmm. and she, she's comfortable, you know, playing on the ball and running point and things like that. And she's the type of player who, 
is content with doing what she can do to help the team win. She Every time she gets the ball, it's not because it's going to be a shot up. Mm-hmm. Laquana Williams is a volume scorer, you know, but when you have, you know, Neka Agumake, who is so efficient, and you have Candace Parker, who you're trying to get back in the groove, and you have Chelsea Gray, who can break down anybody one-on-one, sometimes you just need a player in there who's going to play defense, and if the ball comes your way rotationally, shoots a three. And I feel like that's what Sydney Weiss was able to add. And I know she's going to add even more to her game overseas, you know, and just be able to do a lot more than she was able to do this year. But a player like that, she was a starter to me. Mm, I love that. A few Sparks players are playing overseas. Sydney is in Spain right now. Um, what are the values of people playing overseas? Well, you know, it, it's an opportunity to – Work on your game, first of all. And I know last time when Sydney was overseas, she was in Israel. And mm-hmm. she told me that she played a lot of four and five in Israel. And obviously, she wasn't playing the four or five here. But mm-hmm. just the ability to, if we're talking about position fluid basketball, sometimes you're going to find yourself inside. So sometimes you're going to find yourself outside. So it's just a, a chance to work on your game. And it's a chance to continue to play competitive basketball. I do hate that, you know, the players essentially have to play two full seasons. Yeah, And me just too. constantly play. And, you know, Sydney was with you a couple of days and then she was gone. I mean, she mm-hmm. was gone a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. She, didn't even get a, she didn't even get a whole week to hang out on the beach no, in she LA didn't. County. She had, to, she had to go to LAX and fly out to Spain. Mm-hmm. But so if you look at the roster now, so you have Sydney Weiss who's in Spain. Raquana Williams is already in Turkey playing. Maria Vadiva is on the super team. Ekaterinburg in Russia. That's a team that uh, and then Kalani Brown is in China, but this Russian team that Maria Vadiva is on, mm-hmm. so they have With Griner. They have, they have Griner. They have Jonquil Jones. <laughs> <laughs> they have Allie Quigley. They have Courtney Vandersloot. They have Faulkner from the sky. It's basically, in my opinion, I'm calling them Chicago Sky East. And oh, Wade like is one it. of the coaches. Oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, they have, a, they have a squad that honestly could probably take on one of the two WNBA All-Star teams and hold their own if not win. That's amazing. I mean, they have a WNBA All-Star team, essentially. Their starting five are All-Stars. Oh, for so, sure. Wow. Yeah, so it, it's, it's an opportunity to continue to work on your game. But I also like the idea of what Neka Agumake and Chelsea Gray are doing. USA, USA. Yes, yes. (laughs) They are basically, you know, barring something crazy happening, they're shoe-ins for the Olympic team. I don't see how Chelsea Gray doesn't start on the Olympic team as Mm -hmm. a starting guard. Mm -hmm. But so they're one of, they're two of eight players who have signed up to work with USA Basketball in four or five training segments where they'll go around and barnstorm and play different colleges and different teams, international teams and things like that. But what this does for them, first of all, is it keeps them at home. And second of all, it's an opportunity to train and get better and not have to go over there and play a full season and play heavy minutes because the amount of money that they pay somebody like Chelsea Gray or Neka Agumake over there, they're paying them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep them on the court as long as they need to, to win the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody like Brittany Griner reportedly makes a million. So Oof. they're going to play them as much as they need to, to win these games. 
So there's only so much time you're going to have to rest and get better. But in your, when you're in a training situation, you know, you're led by Dawn Staley and then Shrew Reeve is there. Dan Hughes will be there. Rosati, Jennifer Rosati will be there. You know, you'll have veterans like Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi, Della Don will be there, Tina Charles, Skylar Diggins. So you'll just be around greatness. And I think greatness creates even more greatness. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're able to train and transform their games and elevate their games because anything they want to work on, they can work on it there and everybody they'll be surrounded with, they'll be surrounded with different minds who can add different things to their game, show them different perspectives. I'm sure that Chelsea Gray can learn from Sue Bird. Oh, Absolutely. You know what it be? Absolutely. I'm sure that Neka Agumike can learn from Elena Deladon because Deladon has the perfect inside out game. She could be a, she could play outside the whole time. She could be a six five guard, but because she's six five, you know, she goes inside and she rebounds and she does the different things she needs to do defensively. So I'd really love to see Neka continue to expand her game. That's something that she was able to work on. In the last offseason, she worked on expanding her game, and she had a career high in made three-pointers this mm. year. And I would expect her to do that again this year because, or this upcoming season because that's just the way the game is going. I had a nickname for her. I used to call her NECA 2.0 because I'm like, who is this? You know, shooting <laughs> these threes and, and knocking everything down. You know, you think of NECA Gumake as a, almost like a throwback traditional post player, but that's, those days are over. You know, she can pick and pop and shoot threes and do all of that. And, and then Chelsea Gray, I mean, this that lady is an amazing isolation player, mm. okay? And my nickname for her is I said Iso Gray because there was a point that, like, at every quarter, they were just like, oh, get a ball to Chelsea. There was, like, game after game after game after game. End of the quarter, give the ball to Chelsea. And more times than not, she was scoring buckets. So. Wow. Just the just the ability to put her in more isolation situations, and uh, you don't want to turn her into James Harden or mm-hmm. something like that. But she you would know, look, giving her the she ability, would look too weird with a beard. I'm not trying to see that. <laughs> <laughs> she would, she would, she would. But you know, you you don't want her in those situations. But you do want to create space for her to break down the defense because mm-hmm. as great as she is offensively herself, scoring even better passer. I mean, highlight pass after highlight pass, no looks, bounce passes behind the back, any type of pass you can think of, Chelsea Gray can do it. And so creating more room for her to do that, that's just going to make her an even better player. So put her in an Olympic training situation, keep her in her home. She doesn't have to go overseas. She's comfortable. She's able to spend more time with her family, spend more time in the gym, spend more time with these elite coaches. I mean, who doesn't want Dawn Staley to be their coach? I mean, everybody couldn't go to Temple or South Carolina, mm-hmm. but now you get Dawn Staley to mentor you. Absolutely, I, I would pay money for that if no I was question. them. But no but question. they're getting paid to do that, so it's it's perfect. It's so exciting for me too because looking back on my career, I started my career very young, and when Sue Bird was in high school and Diana Taurasi were in high school, I covered them. I, I was with ESPN mm. at the time, so I was able to watch them, their entire careers grow. Elena Deladon, I covered her in college. Um, Jordan Canada, I covered her in college. So to see 
these women become what they are and make the W what it is, I have this extra special place in my heart because obviously it's such a grind and um, there's so much more that they're deserving of. And after 23 years, you think the world would have caught up to that, um, but it hasn't yet. And I just love that the league is still around. It's still flourishing. And it's just so exciting for me. What has your personal experience been as you meet these women, um, how they are with the media, how they are with the fans? What do you see overall? I think the LA Sparks are extra special when it comes to media because, first of all, they have two working media members who we're able to interact with and interview, you know, day after day. You know, when you have Candace Parker and you have Shanae Gumbake as two of your leaders who are professional broadcasters with TNT and ESPN, respectively, that makes my job easy because I know as long as I ask a proper question, I'm getting a great answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting great perspective from both of them. And then you have other players who are, you know, veterans like Elena Beard, you know, the opportunities that I had to speak with her, I'm like, wow, you know, she really knows the game and she can really, you know, translate what the coaches are saying to what her teammates are going to hear, you know, because sometimes coach speak and player speak are different, but the fact that, you know, she was out and she missed so many games this season, she was able to really, she was kind of like a, she was basically the fourth assistant coach. Mm. Okay. And she would sit right next to the bench and but then she'd go back to talking to her teammates. So she's translating these concepts back and forth. So I just I just love the access that you can have as a reporter covering the WNBA because, you know, honestly, between you and me and everybody who's listening, it's probably still undercovered and underreported. Mm-hmm. So they do appreciate the fact that, you know, they would see me at every home game and that they would see me you know, basically at every practice and I'm constantly posting videos and writing articles and tweeting and things like that. And that's why, that's probably why Shania Gumake, you know, <laughs> sought me out when I was shooting one of my videos because what I used to do was shoot these, you know, spark report, video recaps of talking about the game and just getting some, some feelings and some, some things out there, just different observations I saw about the team. But I really appreciate her, you know, recognizing that, you know, that I'm putting in time and, you know, covering this team and trying to do the best I could do too. So, Mm. yeah, it felt great to be recognized like that, especially from a player of her stature. See, that's what I'm saying. John W. Davis, most beloved by the Sparks players and LA Sparks beat writer with W Insider. I'll put that second. (laughs) No, and that, that does mean a lot too, because yes, you're covering it. Yes, you're showing up. Yes, you're putting in your time but you're also adding value. You really are adding value. The words that you say, the stories you share, the videos you post, you add value and a positive uh, look inside of, of the sparks that other people don't have access to. And, and I thank you for that as well um, on behalf of the league, because without people like you, um, you know, other people wouldn't be as informed as they are. So thank you for your work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So happy to have you on our show today. Would you please tell our listeners how they can follow you on all social media platforms? Okay, well, I was an early adopter of Twitter, so I have my name on there. It's John W. Davis, so J-O-H-N-W-D-A-V-I-S. You can follow me on Twitter, tweet a lot of Sparks, WNBA stuff. 
You can also follow me on Instagram, same name, John W. Davis, on there as well. And then W Insider, that's where I file my articles and do my video reports in association with them. And that's W Insider. It's an insider without the E. So you can check me out there and, you know, we're doing some, some great work there, but I'm just really glad to connect with you, Stacey, and, mm. and jump on this podcast. I didn't get a chance to tell you before, but I am one of your listeners and I've listened to every single one. And I oh. know the one before this was Marina Mabry. So yes, it was. You know, I, I thought it was really great that you were able to connect with Sydney Weiss because oh, yeah. we were talking, we had been talking and, you know, she was, She's always open in the locker room. She often speaks after practice. And some of my colleagues and I were thinking like, yeah, she really needs a podcast. And then she pops up with a podcast and we're mm-hmm. like, this is perfect. I love if anybody talking to her. on the Sparks, Yeah, if anybody on the Sparks, you know, needed it, or not needed it, but if anybody on the Sparks could handle it and add value, it's her. And if you listening at home enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, which include iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Also, my Twitter account and Instagram are both at Stacey Pates. And don't forget to follow our girl, Sydney Weiss, at SweesBaby24. Find out what she's doing over in Spain because she's, she's sitting on some beautiful <laughs> pictures every night. I've been seeing her post up on Instagram. So check her out at SweesBaby24. Once again, special thanks to the very special John W. Davis in so many ways, the LA Sparks beat writer with W Insider, special for his coverage, special for his just taking time to be with me today. I truly appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you even more. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And if you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.